Please join me in the prayer of illumination. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Our scripture reading today is from Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 1 and 4 through 14. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, and they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me, if you seek me with all your heart. I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament lesson this morning comes from the early part of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is just beginning to call his disciples, and we pick up with the story in chapter 4, verses 12 through 23. So listen now for the word of God to the church. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, 
in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So now that we live close to the coast, I've gotten a lot more use out of my cast net over the last two years. Now, it's not an expensive net, and I really have never been all that good at throwing it. But with the help of YouTube and some practice, every now and then I can experience the satisfaction of getting that net to spread out in a graceful circle right before it hits the surface of the water. And thanks to some sharp oyster shells, I've even spent some time repairing my net with monofilament line, which was oddly satisfying. Perhaps one reason is that these activities bring me just a bit closer to the experience of some fishermen who plied their trade on the Sea of Galilee. Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John. I'm sure they all learned at an early age how to cast a net effectively and properly, how to hang up their nets to dry at the end of the day, how to fix the snags and secure the weights, how to fold it up and stow it away so it would be ready for the next trip out onto the water. It's not difficult to picture that scene that Jesus would have seen as he walked down the sandy but rocky beach and encountered Peter and Andrew casting their nets into the sea. It's a very ordinary picture, familiar to us, What I think is more difficult to imagine and what is definitely not ordinary is how quickly these two men would leave it all behind when a stranger extended them a mysterious invitation, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, we are told, immediately they dropped their nets and followed Jesus. A short walk further and two more fishermen come into view. James and John are in a boat with their father Zebedee, lashing up holes in their well-used nets. Again, Jesus calls to them. And again, in amazingly short order, James and John turn their backs on their childhoods, their livelihoods, and even their father to walk in a new direction. Andrew and Peter leave their nets in a heap on the lake shore, while James and John leave their broken nets in the bottom of a boat with a puzzled and likely perturbed father. These abandoned nets are powerful symbols of a moment of decision. The moment when a disciple makes the conscious choice to turn from one path and to follow another. They represent what is left behind when we finally say, not just to the world, but to ourselves, 
that we too will follow Jesus. One thing that was left behind that day was financial security. Although we have to say it wasn't much financial security. A few fishermen on the Sea of Galilee would have been fortunate enough to own their own boats, but most of them were dispossessed peasants who eked out a living on someone else's boat. And once the tax collectors took their share, most fishermen were doing little more than scratching out a hand-to-mouth subsistence existence. Still, it was the only career they likely knew, and it is almost certain that women and children depended on the income these fishermen provided. It would have been a radical gamble for these men to simply walk away from their livelihoods. That is, however, exactly what they did. The English translation we just read says that the disciples left their nets. But that hides what I think is the power of the original Greek. The Greek verb aphiemi is the one used in the New Testament to describe the premature end of a marriage. In other words, the disciples didn't just leave their nets. They divorced them. They abandoned them. They forsook them. They walked away. In his invitation, Jesus had made no promises of security, no assurances of comfort. He never said that fishing for people would be easy. He just said, come on after me. And they went. Irresistibly drawn by a simple, unexplained invitation from a man they did not know, these four disciples divorced themselves from the life that they had known. They left it all behind in a wet, soggy heap on the beach. On the more positive side, however, the nets can also represent the things that weigh us down and hold us back from being the people God created us to be. When she was just a baby, Amy Mullins was diagnosed with fibular hemimelia, which basically means she had missing fibula bones. And that required both of her legs to be amputated below the knee. Once she grew up enough to have prosthetics, the idea in medicine at that time was to make artificial limbs look as much like normal flesh ones as possible. But that goal was never realized. Her first prosthetic legs were made of wood and metal, and Amy was not supposed to get them wet. But that was a problem because Amy loved to swim. And after a while, the wood got weak, the metal bolts rusted out, until one day in second grade music class, when all the students were learning the twist, Amy heard this awful sound and realized to her horror that the lower half of her left leg had exploded into splinters in front of God and everybody. Her teacher fainted over the piano. Her classmates were all screaming around her, and Amy was reminded once again 
just how deficient and freakish she was in the eyes of the world. At that time, if you were to look upon the word disabled in Webster's thesaurus, this is what you would have found. Disabled, crippled, helpless, useless, wrecked, maimed, wounded, mangled, lame, mutilated, run down, worn out, weakened, laid up, done up, done for, done in, cracked up, and counted out. In short, the very opposite of a person who was healthy and strong and capable. Now, fortunately for Amy Mullins, she had people in her life who saw much more in her. And more importantly, she began to see herself differently. Yes, she had limitations, but she also had strengths. And she decided that she would no longer be defined by the people who wanted her to stay in a corner because her legs made them feel uncomfortable. I had gone through a lifetime of being given legs that just barely got me by, she thought. Maybe I'm just having the wrong conversations with the wrong people. Maybe I need to go find people who say, yes, we can create anything for you in the space between where your leg ends and the earth begins. So Amy began to seek out all kinds of people who could help her shape a new vision for herself. Engineers, fashion designers, sculptors, Hollywood makeup artists, wax museum designers. She had always been athletic, but she decided at that time that she wanted to be the fastest woman in the world on artificial legs. And she was lucky enough to come of age in track and field at the perfect time to be the first person to get the woven carbon legs modeled after the hind leg of a cheetah. And those springing metallic bars looked nothing like human legs, but Amy set three world records while wearing them. And then Amy decided, hey, I can be as tall as I want to be. So she began to assemble a new team that helped her assemble a variety of incredibly lifelike silicone legs. The famous British fashion designer Alexander McQueen created one memorable pair for her adorned with painted grapevines and magnolias and equipped with stylish six-inch heels at the bottom. Today, Amy has walked the runways of the world with supermodels. She's acted in Hollywood movies. She even has a recurring role on Stranger Things. And it's all because at some point, Amy Mullins decided to turn her back on all the derisive labels and hurtful dismissals of the world, and to leave all that mess in a soggy heap on the beach, and to walk off into a new life defined by what she could do instead of what she could not do. 
On Friday morning, I was here at the church meeting with some church members out on the porch, and as we started to head toward our cars in the parking lot, we heard the wail of a fire truck coming down Coleman Boulevard. Someone told us that a pedestrian had been hit and killed near Mill Street. I had a somber feeling as I drove the long way home since the Shim Creek Bridge had been closed by police and rescue personnel. When I got home, I got back to work on this sermon about nets, about men who had lived humble lives on the shores of Galilee, fishing by day and mending nets by night. And as I sat typing these words about nets, the phone rang, And I was told the sad news that the man who had lost his life that morning was Wayne Magwood, father of Tressie Melichamp, grandfather to Jake, Savannah, and Catherine Melichamp. And that afternoon, as I stood in the Melichamp's living room, surrounded by shocked friends and family who were gathered to share this grief and support their loved ones, I heard the stories of Wayne's life with his nets. For generations, his family's nets have shaped the history of Shem Creek and Mount Pleasant. They fed friends. They created cherished memories. To be sure, there were some snags and some rips and some entanglements, as there are for all of us. But the image that lingers for me is the one that the family holds most dear. The image of a backyard covered in well-worn nets that had been hauled in from a day at sea, treated and hung up to dry. Nets that became a jungle gem for Wayne's children a playground where the trees would only ring with the sounds of laughter. And I think that happy vision helps us, even in the shock of this raw time, to feel a small share of the joy that belongs on this day to Wayne, now that he has met the risen Christ on the lakeshore, and has left his earthly nets behind to follow him home. The preacher and writer Barbara Brown Taylor has written about this choice that every would-be disciple faces. Jesus offers each of us an invitation to leave behind those nets that trap us and trip us and hold us back. We are not forced to accept this invitation. We have the right to refuse it. We can say no to Jesus. Or, as Barbara Brown Taylor puts it, you can decide to say yes. You can decide to be a daredevil, a test pilot, a gambler. You can decide to take part in a plan that you did not choose, doing things you did not know how to do for reasons you do not entirely understand. 
you can take part in a thrilling and dangerous scheme with no script and no guarantees. Yes, accepting this call may require us to move away from things that are known and things that are comfortable. Yes, there may be risk. Yes, there may be danger. But this call from Jesus is also a door to a new life. It is a chance that is open to every person who has ever felt crippled, helpless, useless, wrecked, maimed, wounded, mangled, lame, mutilated, run down, worn out, weakened, laid up, done up, done in, cracked up, or counted out. It is the chance to leave an old and broken life in a heap on the beach and to turn and walk with Christ into a newer, bolder, and better life. May God give us the courage and the will to leave our nets behind and follow him in the way. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.